Welcome to Adepec On Air, live from the Woodstand. Um, we'll be here throughout the week, hosting a series of live, thought-provoking podcasts and sharing how we're committing and continuing to design in the future. I'm your host today, Amy Cox, and I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague, Joe Carter, Vice President for Business Development for the Middle East, and Damien Beauchamp, President of Eight Rivers. Welcome to you both. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. So the topic today is decarbonisation at scale. So decarbonisation is a broad topic and is critical if we are to meet our net zero goals and deliver a sustainable future. And decarbonising all types of industry will be essential to this effort. Can we share some of the projects that are really making a difference in lowering emissions at the moment? Is there any that are highlights for you that you can share with us? Damien? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, you know, one of, one of the first projects that really made a big impact, I think, in carbon capture uh, was the Petronova project in the United States. And then that was quickly followed with the Emirates Steel ca carbon capture project here in the UAE. Um, and so, so those are two big initiatives, one carbon capture on a coal plant, the other on steel. So starting to demonstrate some of that, um, you know, spanning the industries uh, through decarbonization. And so I think those are two, two great examples. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of work in Norway, and now we're starting to see the the hubs come online in, in the UK as well. Uh, so I think there's a lot of promise moving forward uh, in the carbon capture related to decarbonization space. Okay. One of the things that I think Damien's reflected on there is when we talk about decarbonization at scale, the, you know, the, the sheer breadth of things, the energy, you know, we talk about energy, the energy network itself is complex. And so there's a massive opportunity within existing energy movement and areas geo uh, around different geographical areas that have different solutions within decarbonization so if we look at the typical energy mix today whereby coal makes up uh, maybe a quarter of the energy mix some of the decarbonization projects we're looking at are how do you get a lower emitting fuel how do you extract that create value and then move to an area so some of the things we're seeing across different industries, for example, over in pockets within Asia, coal-fired power is looking at how do you maybe substitute that with ammonia? Mm -hmm. So we're working across the Middle East with some of these blue ammonia. How are we integrating carbon capture with other new fuels, new ways that within the industry, we can look at creating solutions to a really, really complex situation? Yeah, I think, yeah, and that brings up another good point, one that's somewhat counterintuitive on the decarbonization front. When you look at the fracking revolution in the United States, yeah. uh, single largest decarbonization event in the history uh, of decarbonization today uh, was when a whole bunch of low-cost gas was brought online and displaced a lot of the coal-fired assets in the United States. There was a measurable and significant decrease in CO2 emissions as a result of that. I think that there is huge opportunity in alternative lower carbon fuels moving forward as well. And I think we're seeing like, and, and NEOM was one that I didn't mention, right? That as something that was announced 2017, 2018, started getting put in the works and now has really started to accelerate and will really demonstrate a, a, a leadership role for decarbonization coming out of this region. Okay. Yeah. So I think, Amy, that also, we've reflected on quite a few of the new projects one of the things that we've done across region, we've seen globally actually, is by eliminating emissions, we've managed to reduce the carbon impact. So a single project in the Middle East has eliminated 10 million tons of carbon. 
and actually globally within the last year eliminated 15 million million tons through how do we take something that's just fled Mm. capture and reincorporate within the value stream yeah Yeah, and i think i think that was the right approach for the industry to date is also the focus on methane capture as a first step is decarbonize the upstream and then work to the downstream. I think that has been the absolute right approach. Yeah. yeah. And what other smart solutions are you seeing there? So obviously it's kind of, it's looking at what's in place and how we can work a bit smarter to kind of reduce those emissions. So it, you talk about kind of, you know, reducing flaring. What other things are you seeing in the region that are, that are happening? So from a smart solution perspective, three jump out to mind for me. Uh, the carbon capture, we talked about carbon capture and sequestration clustering of carbon capture yeah. and coming together of different areas. How are industry supply chain designers all helping to come up with solutions that fundamentally is a different business model? So people need to change how they're operating, change how they integrate with each other. And so within the Middle East, there's some massive schemes that are under development and they're linking in them with those in Europe, maybe those in the US to take advantage of what the technology that's being deployed across other areas. How do we make sure that we're taking benefit of being a global network, global knowledge? So that's the carbon capture. Hydrogen, we reflected on a little bit. Mm. So actually in terms of potential investment, hydrogen's got the step into how do you integrate carbon capture with it? Blue hydrogen. How do you actually deploy electrolyzers to move into green hydrogen? That was part of that green steel. How do the this complexity of connections between the, between the opportunities. And green hydrogen is, I think, around 85% of planned projects from a hydrogen perspective being looked at at the moment or within the green hydrogen space. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, on the hydrogen front, one of the biggest opportunities in the region is to take hydrogen that's already being consumed in refineries and simply decarbonizing that hydrogen. And as far as models on, on how to do that and where that's been done in the world, the Sturgeon Refinery in Edmond, Alberta, mm-hmm. uh, Edmonton, Alberta was was the first to have hyd- hydrogen generation with carbon capture built into the refinery. And I think if you look at that model, that's very easily transportable here. Um, you know, you hear people talk about hydrogen a lot. We're really focused on meeting hydrogen where the hydrogen market is today. Yeah. And that's ammonia as number one. And then number two is in refining and hydrocarbons. And so just decarbonizing that uh, not only brings online a whole bunch of low carbon hydrogen, but also has a direct use, which is important. And I think the other thing that the region can really do to, to help accelerate on the project front is something that they're already inherently good at, and that's kind of on the EMP side. Yeah. Uh, so exploration uh, and finding those good reservoirs for CO2 sequestration and storage and even enhanced oil recovery uh, really allows them to start driving more capital into the region because they can say, look, we have these sinks ready, available, once the projects come online, we're ready to operate and put that CO2 downhole. Yeah. Great. So from a market perspective over the last year, we've in, in, within the, the vocabulary we're using, we're looking at how does the energy market, and I think EMP really drives most of that energy market and then the materials market. So we're seeing across mining and minerals, some really smart solutions in terms of how do you incorporate renewable, how do you electrify elements? So heavy machinery, changing how that operates, how that's run, how that all integrates within the the scenarios. And I was talking with one of the global energy companies that also has a refining and chemical business just this morning. And they're saying within the assets that are already existing in the the deep 
downstream chemical space, it doesn't have the high volume of EMP. So the target for decarbonisation is how do we how do we improve the asset? How do we make more of the molecule that's within the facilities? So partnering up with things like re-oil, whereby how do you use chemical recycling in taking material that's already been used by consumer, getting that back into the system. These are, you know, some, I said at the beginning, that it's a really diverse, really complicated topic. There's yeah. so much breadth of the, the smiles being deployed that it's, yeah. uh, it's an exciting time for the industry. Yeah, and on the mining front, the other thing that's exciting to couple with what you just went through is they're finding now, right, that the tailings that come out of the mining yeah. industry, the alkaline, alkaline-based um, waste products, uh, when hydrated, can actually do some CO2 absorption as well. So I think that there's uh, there's an efficiency aspect um, and, and kind of like this, this whole uh, cycle dynamic that we're starting to explore more, which is already inherent in nature, uh, but we haven't really fully incorporated into our industrial processes. Yeah, and well. I think, and it's forcing us, so that our net zero goals are really forcing us towards that. You know, we're looking at every element of that process and that life cycle, ensuring that we're maximizing every opportunity, aren't we? And there's that whole piece around that. So that's great. We talk about moving um, or ensuring that, you know, the technologies and the projects that we're delivering across the globe, we can kind of collaborate and we can work together and maybe look to apply them um, where we can. Is there any kind of, what's your thoughts on collaboration and its importance and how we might deliver our kind of overarching decarbonization goals? Damien? Yeah, I mean, in our history, collaboration has been key to our success. You know, going from a startup to, to where we're at today, um, we've collaborated across oil and gas, um, you know, EMP, uh, Oxy coming into Net Power. They're a, they're a big sponsor here. Uh, JX Nippon, EMP company out of Japan, has, has partnered and invested in Eight Rivers. We've got partnership with SK Group out of, out of South Korea. Um, and, and we really do look globally at, at what are the different resources and assets and carbon, carbon trading regimes coming from different governments. So looking at how to deploy in Australia, uh, especially Asia is a, is a huge yeah. opportunity. Still haven't cracked the, you know, getting into ch to China fees. Uh, but um, that, that's been key to our success, not only uh, on the oil and gas side, on the EMP side, but also on the equipment side. Yeah. Um, so as we started to develop projects uh, at a rivers, um, what we found is a lot of supply chain constraints that are actually also driving timeline. So it's not just is the CO2 reservoir ready, is the permit ready, but now we're we're running into supply chain. And so that's where major equipment manufacturers, we're also looking at more strategic partnerships and, and ways to help accelerate those pieces. Okay. So taking a slightly different angle from the collaboration, I think based in the Middle East, I've seen as a upstream industry, we're at probably some of the lowest carbon lift, cost of lift within the upstream space. We are lucky enough to be working with those companies that are still, how do they, they're taking on the charter. They are the flagship to help meet net zero. Yeah. So taking on the charter of, okay, we may be at we may already be below the emissions that European or other companies are, are ambitious of, but how do we how do we help deploy this? And they're not just looking within their own e ecosystem. They're looking at, so if we were the lowest carbon lift, how do we create industry that also comes in and helps with the integration around the, the decarbonization? So we're seeing across the region, how do we integrate 
the materials, the downstream that the, that the we as consumers are all looking for, how do we make that as efficient as possible? So that's a slightly different angle maybe on their collaboration from a regional perspective. We're seeing some real push around that. What that comes with from a challenge perspective is the deployment of pace. And the, yeah. the, the pace that's being pushed towards is really opening up an opportunity that the number of people, the resource pool you re reflected on the supply chain, the manufacturing capacity, we're seeing that that is, is giving a real opportunity to people, to businesses, to support this move into what's being keyed up as decarbonization. The skill sets within the energy industry that are at least 85% transferable. I think the numbers even stretch higher than that. So the number, you know, for us uh, as people, as equipment suppliers, as working the whole way through the supply chain, there's a great opportunity within the collaboration to step from traditional industry to what people are looking at from a new energy and energy transition perspective. Yeah, and I think it's a, a lot around just sort of refocusing and re-educating. You know, it's not about retraining and really reinventing the wheel. It's about just like making people understand that, you know, they can do this. It's just maybe in a slightly different context. So their skills are still relevant and they will add value. Uh, absolutely. We've taken within the wood strategy, the element of decarbonization being cross across all the industries we supply. Yeah. And that's a really a reflection on the fact that for many years we we've been providing these services. We just haven't coordinated them. Yeah. So we now have a specific business set up as to how do we help with the knowledge from different industries coming together with the proven tool sets to get in and help push what people see as new actually retooling how do we help yeah. the retool and because you know other industries have done it before so you know they've done it at the scale and the pace that's needed so it's kind of just tweaking that slightly so that people actually understand where their skill sets are relevant and how we can actually work together to kind of achieve that so yeah, and I mean, al along those lines, right, um, IEA 2050, we need to be moving 5.3 gigatons of CO2 per annum. Mm -hmm. And and we did an exercise at our, at our company to say what industry has ever moved that amount of molecule, fluid, however you want to class it. And without comparison, right, oil is moved more than any other molecule of volume, then gas, then ammonia. So those three industries combined are already well suited to understand how to deal with those types of volumes. Yeah. And it's really just the movement of a fluid um, and, and retooling that, it really doesn't matter what the molecule is. Yeah, the principle is exactly yeah, the same. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Doesn't matter what your end product is or what you're dealing with. Yeah, right. absolutely. Great. So we're talking about that whole decarbonizing faster together. That's the theme of ADAPEC this year. Um, we're already working as an industry to decarbonize, but in order to achieve this faster together, what is the one thing that you think we might do better to get there? Yeah, I, I think, you know, where we haven't focused enough as a society is in the carbon capture space. Mm -hmm. um, so physically interacting with CO2 molecules um, and removing those either from industrial processes, uh, in some situations, the air um, is, is critical. Producing lower carbon intensive fuels uh, is also a key part of that strategy. But at the end of the day, we just need to get on with building some of the first projects. Yes. They're gonna be more capital intensive. There is more risk. Like just, yes, full stop. Those things exist in those first projects. So you have to be willing to step up and say, listen, we're gonna take on a bit of risk. We're gonna take on a bit of higher CapEx. 
in order to allow these projects to start coming down the cost curve such that we can start building them instead of our traditional processes. Because I think that there are new processes out there that will allow you to do everything you're doing today, taking the feedstock, producing the products, and you can inherently capture the CO2 yeah. and you can do that affordably. But it takes fit building those first projects. Yeah. So that's where we're focused on first project deployment and especially on the carbon capture front. And I'm linked into that really. I think the first deployment, the, the, the bit for us to do faster is existing assets. It's not okay. future assets, it's looking at the existing asset base, whether that's through intelligent operations, taking some AI perspective to how do we reduce the downtime or increase the uptime, reduce the emissions, how do we retool what's there, whether that's through CCS, I think the carbon capture is a must-have to get anywhere near to the net zero goals, but it's not the only solution. So many solutions, existing assets for me is the way for us to get about it faster. Okay. I completely agree with that. That's a, it's a wonderful approach, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's not something that we need to bin what we're doing now and kind of go after something new. The two very much strength in tandem, don't they? So, yeah, great. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great. Some brilliant discussion, great insights, and um, thanks again. Thanks very much, Amy. Yep, thanks for having me.